Hey folks, we're glad to have Lena back with us today. She's been in the hospital and she's back after getting a neck surgery and then she got sick and went back in the hospital again. Must have picked something up while she was in the hospital. Anyway, welcome back Linda. Hello internet friends, this is Linda Dawson and you've got Preparing Our Hearts for Worship podcast. And this is Glenn and we're ready to start sharing that good old stories and hymns about the authors that wrote those old songs we grew up singing in our church. These songs always have a biblical message because they were inspired by the Bible and they are dear to the hearts of all of us. Forgiven is looking forward to the start to start seeking places to do concerts in places that'll have us. So we are making preparations for that. We're going to start in our local area that uh, might be as far as we'll go. While passing through this world of sin, and others your life shall view, be clean and pure without within, let others see Jesus in you. Let others see Jesus in you. Let others see Jesus in you. Keep telling the story. Be faithful and true. Let others see Jesus in you. Your life's a book before their eyes. They're reading it through and through. Say, doesn't it point them to the skies? Do others see Jesus in you? What joy twill be at set of sun in mansions beyond the blue to find some souls that you have won. Let others see Jesus in you. Then live for Christ both day and night. Be faithful, be brave and true, and lead the lost to life and light. Let others see Jesus in you. The writer of this song, Bayless Benjamin McKinney, was born in July 22, 1886, the son of James McKinney and Martha McKinney. B.B. attended Mount Lebanon Academy, Louisiana, Louisiana College, Pinville, Louisiana, and the Southwestern Baptist Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. The Siegel Myers Correspondence School of Music in Chicago, Illinois, and Bush Conservatory of Music, Chicago, Oklahoma Bible University, awarded him an honorary music degree in 1942. On June 11, 1918, he married Leela Irene Ruth. The couple had two sons. After serving in the Army for a few months at the end of World War I, he began a 22-year position at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in the School of Sacred Music. While there, he served as assistant director of the school and taught voice, harmony, and composition. He also served as music editor at the Robert H. Coleman Company in Dallas, Texas during this time. When the Great Depression set the seminary into financial crisis, Mr. McKimney became the assistant pastor at Travis Avenue Baptist Church in Fort Worth, Texas for two years in the early 1930s. In 1935, he became minister of music. uh, He became music editor at the Baptist Sunday School Board on uh, in Nashville, Tennessee, and later secretary of the new Department of Church Music. During his time with the Sunday School Board, he created many innovative ideas, including developing a church music training course, having each state convention institute a music secretary, 
beginning the publication of the Church Musician and inaugurating on annual Church Music Week at the Ridgecrest Baptist Assembly. Oklahoma Baptist Seminary awarded him an honorary doctorate in 1942. McKinney was the editor of the Broadman Hymnal, which was the first was first published in 1952. The hymn has appeared in the following songbooks. The Pilot, Revival Selections, Victorious Praise, Harvest Hymns, Church Musicians, and the Broadman Hymnal. The hymnal is also referred to as While Passing Through This World of Sin. The title is derived from the first line of the hymn. In a 1962 interview, Tim Boyett recalled a gathering in which McKinney led over 10,000 people in singing. When he finished, he told the crowd, Be sure you mean the words you sing. This was a lesson he'd been taught as a child by his mother. Perhaps let others see Jesus in you was also a lesson instilled in his upbringing. The song services as a a wonderful reminder to live and mean the words we sing, to keep telling the story, be faithful and true, and let others see Jesus in you. It is not known why B.B. McKinley wrote this beautiful hymn. McKinley wrote 149 hymns and gospel songs, including Wherever He Leads I'll Go, Speak to My Heart, The Nail-Scarred Hand, Breathe on Me, Neat the Old Olive Trees, and Have Faith in God. And in addition to all his hymn, he composed music for an additional 114 texts by other authors. He also edited, arranged, and published numerous other songs throughout his career. He wrote many songs under the pseudonym of Martha Anus, Otto Nillen, uh, and Jean Roth. McKinney's home church of Bestino Baptist Church holds an annual McKinney song service each July, according to Wikipedia. The church also has a historical marker in his memory. The Falls Creek Baptist Encampment in Davis, Oklahoma, named their chapel in honor, in his honor, in 1852. He was posthumously inducted into the Gospel Music Hall of Fame. His hometown of Heflin holds an annual McKinney song service. Each song is July to celebrate his 149 hymns and gospel songs. Even McKinney's legacy continues to minister and reach millions through his hymns and the innovative ideas he instituted, many of which remain today. On Saturday, Saturday, September 7th, 1952, Mr. McKinney had just left his conference in Ridgecrest, North Carolina, and was headed for another engagement in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, while near Bryson City, North Carolina. Mr. McKinney was killed in a car accident. In addition to his two wives and to to his wife and two sons, several brothers, he left behind a legacy that included numerous hymns. He was buried in Nashville, Tennessee. Why has the church become filled with members that don't act like Christians 
and show very little or no spiritual fruit. Prior to the 1970s, churches in general were spiritually stronger than, than today, and one reason was that they were more careful about salvation. Consider some prominent example. John R. Rice in 1940 says, To repent literally means to have a change of mind or spirit toward God and toward sin. It means to turn from your sins earnestly with all your heart and trust Jesus Christ to save you. It's see that in What Must I Do to Be Saved, 1940. Baptist uh, Bible Fellowship International, 1950, says, We believe that repentance and faith are solemn obligations and also inseparable graces wrought in our souls by the quickening Spirit of God, thereby being convicted deeply convicted of our guilt, danger, and helplessness, and of the way of salvation by Christ, we turn to God with unfeigned contrition, confession, and supplication, for mercy at the same time, heartily receiving the Lord Jesus Christ, and openly confessing Him as our only and all-sufficient Savior. This was taken from the Baptist Bible Fellowship Articles of Faith in 1950. Harold Slaughter in 1963 writes to think of repentance that does not cause a sinner to turn gladly from his sin is impossible. Wrote that in Christ, uh, Chastening and Repentance, 1963. B.R. Larkin, 1964, wrote Repentance toward God. That is turning away from all your sins and everything you know to be wrong and turning right about face, then trusting Jesus as your complete Redeemer. He wrote that in Preparing to Meet Thy God, 1964. Lester Roloff in 1965 said, Repentance is the godly sorrow for sin. Repentance is a forsaking of sin. Real repentance is putting your trust in Jesus Christ so that you will not live like that anymore. Repentance is a permanent, something that is permanent, something a lot bigger than a lot of people think. It is absolutely essential if you go to heaven. That's taken for repent or perish in 1965. Highland Park Baptist Church, 1965, says, Here are some things a sinner must do to be saved. He must want to be saved. Read Isaiah 1, 18 and 19, where it says, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sin be as scarlet, they shall be washed white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good things of the land. He must be willing for God to save him. In Revelations twenty-two eighteen, it says, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. He must acknowledge himself as a sinner. Psalms 51.3 says, For I acknowledge my transgression, and my sin is ever before me. In Luke 15.7 it says, And when he came to himself, he said, How many hard hands and servants of my father have, have 
bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger. He must repent, turn his back on sin, and turn to God. In Acts twenty twenty one, it says, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And in Luke thirteen two, it says, and Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered such things? He must believe on Christ and his finished work of redemption. Acts 16.31 says, So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved, you and your household. And John 1.12 says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the power, the right to become the children of God. To those who believe in his name, Romans 10.10 10 says, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And that verse, the good old verse that says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Leon Meyer, in 1970, said, A rotally memorized prayer or some repeated statement without true repentance and faith never saves anyone. It's taken from soul winning, the challenge of the hour, the sword of the Lord, 1970. When these men talked of turning from sin, everyone in those days knew what it meant. They weren't talking about reformation or as uh, works of salvation. They were talking about something that occurred in the heart. They were talking about a radical change of mind that put the individual on a new path. In Baptist life, after the 1970s, Soul winning changed dramatically. There was a frenzy for bigness, and this was a motivation for a change in soul winning doctrine and methodology. The sword of the Lord promoted the biggest and the fastest growing concept. This is the way that preachers were often introduced at Highland Park Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee in the 1970s. I witnessed that at the time. A new evangelistic program was introduced and spread rapidly. I learned of this program at Highland Park as a student in Tennessee in 1974 to 1977. Jack Halls was by far the most influential teacher of the new soul-winning and church-planning methods, but it was the sword of the Lord that gave his teaching a very wide promotion. In the 1960s, The Sword of the Lord published Hiles' Let's Go Soul Winning and Let's Build an Evangelistic Church. The influence of these books exploded in the 70s. Second in influence, second in influence beginning in the late 70s, was Curtis Hudson, who became the editor of The Sword of the Lord upon the death of uh, John R. Rowe in 1980. Hudson, Hudson's book, Winning Souls and Getting Them Down the Aisle, Sword of the Lord, 
in uh, 1978 uh, was very influential. Hudson's mentor was Jack Hayes. Jack Hayes taught that every church problem could be solved by his soul winning program. Soul winning is a basic secret of every other problem in the church, he wrote. For example, here's a church that is having cold service. There's no warmth. There, the Lord, there the Lord does not meet with them. Now, how do you overcome it? Get to winning souls. If somebody walks down the aisle every Sunday and professes their faith in Christ, that will warm up the service a great deal. Here is a church having trouble with its business. It doesn't have enough folks who know business. It's having trouble handling its legal affairs. It doesn't have enough wisdom. The Bible soul says, "Who He that winneth souls is wise. So God gives extra wisdom to those who win souls. That's in Hiles. Let's build an evangelistic church on page 34. This soul winning program we call Quick Prayerism has the following characteristics. One, an emphasis on going to heaven when you die. One of the things that happened in the 1970s to corrupt the practice of evangelism was that the emphasis changed to go into heaven when you die. This was the heart and soul of Jack Hiles' soul-winning program. It may be done like this. Now, Mr. Doe, let me ask you a question. Do you know that if you died this minute, you would go to heaven? No, I don't believe I do. Let me answer that. Would you like to know? Do you think it would be fine if you could know if you died, you would go to heaven? Yes. Well, let me ask you this. If I could take the Bible and explain it to you, how you could know beyond any shadow of a doubt that you could know right now and you can see it and you could understand it, would you believe it? Would you do what the Bible says? You see... You, do you see where we're what we're trying to say? It's a it, it it is good to get him committed that he'll do it. Then you have gone a long way toward getting him saved before you ever present the plan. So those three suggestions do you questions? Do you know how? Do you know that if if you died today, would you go to heaven? Would you like to know? And if you could, if I could show you how you could know, would you do it? We read that in Hiles. Let's go soul winning, sort of the Lord uh, publishing. For example, we might use one I use all the time in John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. In the look. Nola Mazzola's Happy Land Adventure. The cover depicts a gleeful child on a roller coaster holding a Bible. Children are taught that heaven is an exciting place, sort of like an external Disneyland, and they can go there when they die by saying a sinner's prayer. It includes a commemorative certificate that is signed and dated to proclaim the child's eternal security. Not once in the book of Acts do we find a preacher saying, do you want to go to heaven when you die? 
if so, do you, you, you need to do this. There's no hint of that in scriptures. Preachers in the New Testament promised eternal life through Jesus Christ, but they never used it to do you want to go heaven approach in evangelism. The emphasis, rather, was knowing the joy of serving Christ in the present life. The emphasis is on discipleship in the here and now, rather than obtaining a ticket to heaven. We are commanded to take the gospel to every soul. We are not commanded to build huge churches as temples of great accomplishments to ourselves. We are not in a contest to see who can be the biggest and the best. Planting churches might be a better approach where fellowships can grow and individual spirits can thrive in the Lord. Without repentance, there is no remission of sin. Without conviction, a soul sees no need of repentance. Our command is to carry the saving power of Jesus Christ to everyone. God convicts the heart with love and compassion. We're all born sinners. That means we're all self-centered sinners. We love our sin and we don't care. Like all, we need Jesus. In this, we're all equal. It's my prayer that God breaks our hearts for the lost and leads us to souls where we can plant and reap. Pray for one you know who is lost right now. Would you join me in that prayer today? Perhaps you're one of those caught up in the biggest and fastest growing race back in the 1970s, and you've been playing church ever since. Examine your heart and life if, to see if you're producing spiritual fruit. Has your life changed? Are you different? Have you forsaken things that are not Christ-like in your life? Do you live a life for Christ Jesus? Is he the center of all that you are? Or are you in a church fairy tale? Do you have the real thing? I love you, my internet friends, and I do not want to see you end up in hell. I want to see a true conversion in your life from everlasting to everlasting. It requires real belief, trust in Jesus and repentance. If you have never done that, and God is dealing with you about it, do it right now. Now let's listen to Forgiven Do Let Others See Jesus in You. Keep telling the story. Be- 
it was a blessing to you. It makes our day when we hear someone that was blessed by our podcast for music. We'd love to get an email from you. Just send it to glenn.dawson at glenn.dawsonea.com That's G-L-E-N-N dot Dawson at glenn G-L-E-N-N Dawson E-A dot com you can find all our information on our website at 
www.glendawsonea.com. In addition to our email, you can find information about our Facebook page and Twitter information. You can also find links to our index of all our podcasts and links to all our music on YouTube. We hope you will enjoy those. And remember now, we love y'all. God be with you. And bye for now.